my conversation with Jonathan Goldhill, the author of The Disruptive Successor, dedicates his work around helping families, family-owned businesses, being able to make the necessary transitions, and sometimes the conversations are very challenging. And then when I think about people in business, whether it's a senior leader, perhaps you're up and coming in your career, sometimes we have to have not only difficult conversations, but potentially with people we are very close to. And if we have the good fortune, sometimes we also have family members working at the same companies as we are, or maybe close friends. Maybe we have grown up together and you've been in the business maybe 15, 20 years. And then the dynamics change, and perhaps you need to have a difficult conversation. How do we set you up for success such that you get a positive outcome versus impacting the relationship? So if this is important to you, maintaining relationships while going through significant transitions in the business environment, you will thoroughly enjoy this conversation with Jonathan Goldhill. Let's listen. You know, I think having a difficult conversation These are conversations that you have to have maybe with a family member or a non-family member. And you need to know how to do it effectively to get to the result that you want. And so these are important things. Far too many of us have been affected by employees, family members who have either mental illness or substance abuse problems, drinking, alcoholism issues. It's more common than we realize. And you might have to deal with one of those situations, whether it's family or not. And they're difficult to deal with no matter what. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of The Drop-In CEO, where week after week, We speak to amazing people and bring their insights and inspiration to you. So please subscribe, rate, review. We would love to bring more people into this community. And this week, Jonathan Goldhill, he is an amazing person. I can't wait to have a conversation with him and share it with you. But he is a masterful business coach and personal strategist specializing in guiding next generation leaders of family businesses to scale up their business as they take control over the leadership and of the family business. And he left New York for California at age 20 after his family's large privately held men's apparel manufacturing company started by his great-grandfather and sold to a conglomerate in its third generation of family ownership. And within 10 years, Jonathan had established himself as the go-to expert for entrepreneurs looking to find their version of freedom. It is my pleasure to welcome you onto the show, Jonathan. Deb, thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to talking to your audience today and teasing out some of the issues that family business members, leaders, and owners of entrepreneurial companies experience on a probably regular basis. So let's get into it. 
All right. And, you know, so this rings true for me in a couple different areas, but a little bit for my listeners. Just listen to this conversation. At the end of the day, it is recognizing that transition is happening or is about to change. And what can we do to be a little bit more proactive, regardless of our situation, whether it's a family owned business where there's a changing of the guard, maybe it's you and your career and you see the writing on the wall that something has to change. And what do you need to do to be proactive? to land on the right place and be successful in that new current state. But a little bit here, my husband has been in a family-owned business and they had the same values to build and help people enjoy the world. They were a painting and decorating company, but there was a juncture where the business had to change. God rest his soul, my father-in-law, Joe, and my husband, Dan, had to come to terms with that. And it was bumpy, but maybe it doesn't have to be so bumpy if we can leverage some of the insights that you discuss in your coaching business. So Jonathan, please share a little bit more about you and your journey and how have you arrived at the place of talking about this disruptive successor, which we're going to get into. So a little bit about my story. And I think that's a great entry note, which is that, you know, change is a constant in life. And there are those who are remarkable at being able to keep things pretty constant. But when you recognize that change is constant, so you either have to be growing or you're dying. Your business has to be either growing or it's dying. So your career has to be growing or it's dying. There's no real middle ground. Maybe there are temporary resting points. So for me, I watched my family who had built a very large, successful business. My grandfather and his two brothers started it with their father. And that was started in the early 1900s. And they were Street peddlers in New York City selling three-piece suits for, get this, as little as $9.99 for a men's three-piece suit. And it just grew and grew and grew to where they had a, a national presence and were manufacturing for many other brands. They never really had their own brand until the late 60s, where they basically bought other companies' failed brands and then marketed those. The business was so large that it employed everyone in the family and an extended family. And I remember, and this might sound familiar to those of you who have family business, I remember going to the bar mitzvahs and weddings of family members and noticing like, I didn't know we had black people in our family or, you know, and it turns out that these were very close quasi family members who were not family by blood but were treated family. And literally, quite literally, one of these people was like, he was the janitor of the executive offices. And he was invited to the, you know, to the weddings and bar mitzvahs of family members. And so I think when you're in a family business, you start to treat everyone like family. There's a difference in a family business that doesn't exist in other businesses where there's more of a loyalty to the people in the business. There's also sometimes more of a tolerance or a a willingness to let some bad behaviors continue. And this is, you know, where you have to get back to looking at the business as a business and not as a family business. So my family business was, it was very large, very successful. And I say large, like a million square feet of factory floor space and a couple of thousand employees. And they sold it when I was very young. And they sold it, but maintained lifetime employment contracts as executives. 
And so always knew my grandfather as someone who worked from a very swanky office in, in the middle of Midtown Manhattan, where he went out to very fancy lunches and was involved in philanthropic and social activities. He was an artist and he painted prolifically. And so that was something that carried through to my mother, his daughter, and to me, as I feel like my work and craft has been an artistic journey. So at the age of 20, I saw there clearly wasn't going to be any opportunity to go work in that business. It was a manufacturing company that wasn't going to make it to moving all the manufacturing offshore. There wasn't a third and a fourth generation of family members that were really going to run the business as leaders. So I kind of went west to explore opportunities in California. And my journey took me full circle back to entrepreneurship, business consulting, and then more really over the last 20 years working with family businesses. And it's where I'm very passionate because I know that young people who are given the gift of having a business that pretty much can fall into their laps. I mean, this is an amazing gift if it's seen as such. But if it's seen as something that you're entitled to or you you deserve, then it can be really the opposite of a gift. It can be a curse. If you have a parent who's not willing to hand over, surrender the reins of the leadership of the company, and if you are not someone who is humble or hungry or show a talent or a passion for the business, then it's not going to transition smoothly. And so these are some of the things that I look for when I am looking at a client in general to coach is, are they humble? Are they willing to learn? Do they recognize that they have blind spots? Are are they hungry? Do they want to learn about themselves, about the world, about the way business works? Are they open to, to teachers? And are they smart? Do they, not just intelligent smart, that's helpful, but also people smart. Do they read situations really well? Because family business owners, or I should say next generation leaders in a family business, they have to prove themselves. They don't just get the title of, hey, he's the son of the owner and therefore, or he or she gets privileges. You have to earn those privileges and you have to prove them. There's so much in that. I am getting a bit emotional here because there's there's so many things in here. They actually got me off track from my interview questions because there's something so relevant. You talk about the current leader of the family, the head of the family, the head of the business. They have to be humble, willing to learn, hungry, smart in all senses of the word. But why is that so unique for just family-owned businesses? Shouldn't that be the same for corporate leadership or wherever you're at in your leadership journey, have all of those qualities? Why is it just unique for a family-owned business? Yeah, it's not unique, Deb. And actually, I've stolen a page out of Pat Lencioni's book, The Ideal Team Player, where humble, hungry, and smart are his three attributes or characteristics that he thinks are what's necessary in building a great team. And in one of his other books, which many people probably have already read or are familiar with, The Five Dysfunctions of, of a Team, he talks in the very first sentence of the book, I think, is that it's not finance, it's not strategy, it's not technology, 
but it's the team that's the ultimate competitive advantage. And that is absolutely true. So how is it different in a family business? In a family business, there are a lot of unspoken conversations that may need to be had that maybe aren't had. There's difficult conversations sometimes that need to be had that maybe aren't being had. And so part of being humble, hungry, and smart in a family business, there's another dimension to it, which is you have to recognize where this conversation is coming from and where it needs to go. And what I mean by that is, is it coming from understanding, compassion, love, anger, hurt, betrayal? Is there some emotion that's rooted in some history in your family and your the dynamics or the way your mom or dad treated you or the way you were raised or the way your sibling treated you? And where does it belong? Is it belong in a leadership team meeting? Does it belong in an ownership team meeting? Or does it belong in a family meeting? Does it belong at the kitchen table or does it belong at the conference table? These are things that I think sometimes just get all wrapped up in a knot. And I find that people who are in family businesses come and talk to me because they want an outside maybe assessment or a Another point of view on is my child or is my parent ready to take on the leadership or let go of the leadership? And then they just need maybe an attorney or a CPA to figure out the mechanics of how they transfer the ownership and leadership. But sometimes it's just figuring out is like which child or maybe it's not my child, maybe it's someone else. And how do they do this? And so most companies do a poor job at succession planning. And that's why I think many businesses, family businesses in particular, don't make it to the second and third generation. Maybe in today's day and age, younger people, maybe you're raised in an entrepreneurial family, maybe they're not interested in the family business because maybe it's an old school business. It's a clothing manufacturing or it's a printing or it's a some kind of a manufacturing business that isn't interesting to them. When most people who are young want to get into some kind of a technology business. And so, you know, it takes a certain individual to get into the family business and really be able to reinvent that business and make it sustain till another generation. So I am so curious about this is that what percent of a client engagement is really focused on the emotional side of all of this, which is obviously causing some havoc in the situation versus, okay, now let's just craft a strategic plan for the next step. How does that break down? Because one would think transition, let's just put together a strategy and start executing. Do we have the resources? Do we have the right timeline? But it feels like there's just so much upfront work that needs to be done before you can even get to that tactical work. What does it look like for you? Well, for me, I think of myself as a business therapist. And I lead with the skills and the tools and the frameworks from business management systems whether that be my own system or drawing from the scaling up system or entrepreneurial operating system or from other coaching systems that I'm familiar with. I think these are things that people can understand and relate to. And usually there's a book that can accompany it. And I can say, look, yeah, I really think you should read this book. So for instance, a couple of clients recently, one in the marketing and advertising agency business, I said, I think you really need to read the book Built to Sell. 
because it'll, it's about someone just like you who's doing so many different things and has got, you know, a nice seven digit, seven figure, one to $10 million business, but you're running around doing so many different things. And you, you talk about wanting to build a business that's built to scale and sell. So this is the book I recommend, or I might recommend traction because it speaks to where they're at in their business. I see it's on your bookshelf as it is on mine. It's a very popular book these days amongst small and medium-sized growing companies. But I think that you can't ignore the emotional or what, what you might just call the people component to the conversation. You need to be able to help them unpack. Okay, so you're trying to implement this new process or you're trying to get people to start following processes. And this is a common issue. You're trying to get people to follow processes and the biggest violator is your dad. Or you also have a couple of employees that have been with you 25, 21 years, and they're not good with technology. And neither is your dad, by the way. And they don't seem to follow the process. And you're trying to lead by example, and they're kind of sabotaging it. This becomes a really challenging thing where a difficult conversation needs to be had. And the leadership needs to emerge of whose way is really going to lead the way here. Are we going to go back to the way we used to do things without the technology systems, no enterprise resource management program, or are we going to go to the new, you know, which is where the disruptive successor, as I call them, is generally leading because they're introducing new technology all the time to help do jobs more efficiently. And so you have to embrace that emotional component and you have to be able to hold their hand and talk to them and help them say like, look, this is the construct. This is the way the conversation needs to be had with just an ordinary non-blood related person. But given that it's your family or your father or your mother, let's create a safer context for that conversation. So I'm smiling here. I'm probably going to be, I don't know, crumpling up my script, (laughs) throw it in the garbage right now, because we're going to just keep going here. There's a couple things that really stuck out to me was the fact that you didn't have to reinvent the wheel to help your family. I mean, I too, in my CEO's Compass, my book, I have a 7P framework. It used to be a 7P framework. It became the eight points of my compass, all keys. And it's not rocket science, but I took the best of what I saw that I see in the organizations that I've been in to how to help and guide people to get back on track. Is some of it in the book Traction? Is some of it in some of the other books? Absolutely. But bringing it together focused on humans, not just the technology is so important. But Jonathan, there is something so unique about your brand. And maybe brand is not something you're you're very fond of, but the business therapist. There's a lot of consultants and coaches out there that can come in and say, follow this five-step approach. But unless you deal with the culture and the psyche and the mindset first, all that you're going to put in place is not going to stick. So I want to just take this now into reality. You arrive at one of your clients at this juncture. You got mom, dad, son, daughter, et cetera. And they're at that place of potentially imploding or of greatness. I just love to know what was that like for you and how did you help them transition to achieve what they wanted to achieve? So I think a lot of the coaches that are in the space that I'm in, whether they be traction or scaling up coaches or maybe a few other coaching systems, is usually I say, well, we're going to spend the first year working on getting the right people into the right seats and doing the right things. 
And that means that we're going to make sure we're really clear on what's the purpose. So I'm with the next generation leader, I'm always getting them to figure out, like, what's your purpose? I know what your mom or dad's purpose when they started this company. Well, what's your purpose? Because their purpose, if they're running a company that's one to $10 million today, their purpose probably was just to put a roof over their head, food on the table, get them to a nice school, maybe even a private school, maybe get a second cabin, a second house at a cabin in the ski country or something like that. That's not going to probably be your purpose. So you have to find a bigger purpose because now there's more family members, more employees, and you've got to figure that out. You also have to get clear on what are the core values that are living and already in the organization. They're not aspirational, but they exist. They have to be discovered and they have to be then, you know, communicated. And you then want to build a culture around those core values. That's really important. And that's like preserving the past and paying respect to the people that started the business, have levels set on the common values and then evolve them. That's what is the glue yep. <laughs> amongst the disruption. <laughs> 100%. And now I'm forgetting what your question was because I was just getting to it. No, but it's, it's all good because I love you building up to it. But then an example of a family that was at that point for which you're working with a disruptor and taking them through the process. Let's finish the story. Right. So I'm thinking of a family business where the woman who is running the business was asked by her father to come in and really run the company. And yet he's like the guy I described in the earlier story where he's somewhat meddling in the processes because he's not following the new processes. He does what she calls swoops down. And so she needs to manage up and manage, you know, like he's the chairman of the board and explain like, we don't do things like that. And here's what you need to be doing. So it's really important for me to coach her as the leader and the central character in my story and my business therapy practice with her is to make sure that she's really owning what that leadership looks like. And I think that in the experience I've had working with men and women, well, maybe this isn't so true, but it might be that it's a little harder for a woman than for a man because, you know, frankly, we're, you know, grown up in somewhat of a sexist society where men have been the primary breadwinners and, or the sons were the next generation leaders. So I think that in this case, she has to really own being a leader and running this business. And then she's got to deal with the fact that there are people in the company that have been around since her father started the business and they're not fitting so well in the company. And she's going to have to deal with having to make some very difficult decisions. Does she stay with the people of the past, which looks like the humanistic thing to do, try and coach them along and get them to adapt to the changes? Or does she try and bring young people in and they're more representative of the values? They're easier to coach and teach. So I can't answer that question with this particular story because this particular story is unique by their what's available to them in the geography that they're in. It's not a they're not pulling from a big metropolitan area, so it's challenging. But if they were in a big metropolitan area, typically someone who's no longer fitting that well in the company, the 
this older person can usually find some opportunity somewhere else where their talents will be appreciated. And so it's a little bit Darwinian, if you will, a little bit survival of the fittest or smartest to get the best team. Because again, it's about having the right people. That means they share the core values. It's about having them in the right seats, meaning they have the capability of doing the job. They understand it. They have the desire and the ability to do that job. And they have the ability to elevate themselves. They can mentor someone underneath and they can elevate themselves in the organization. And if not, then you need to rebuild you know, your leadership team. What I love about this is that it's really about respecting people, <laughs> rooted in what are the core values of the past, and then what is the vision for the future? And if everybody, regardless of the generation that they represent in the business, if we can all agree for the business to survive, this is where we need to go. And these are the values that we're going to respect and bring forward. It makes a little bit easier when we have those difficult conversations to say, we cannot have you in that role anymore because it doesn't enable us to reach the future goals. We value what you've done. You are a critical part of the fabric. It's for you by which we've had these values that we're going to continue to build on. So it may not feel good in the moment, but perhaps we can have respectful conversations and they know that they've done good work and they can be valued elsewhere. So really, really hard conversations. But you know, again, everything you say, I love what you say, being a business therapist, it's unique because there are maybe some more human dynamics we don't necessarily do within business. But I can't help but think while you have your niche, could you also be helpful to existing corporations that are beyond the third and fourth generation, that they're public or a private company that's no longer part of the family? Couldn't your work also transcend into that? Absolutely. I mean, most of my work has been in corporations, small and medium-sized enterprises. Mm -hmm. I would really call them small businesses for the most part. It just so happens that most small businesses are family-owned and controlled because there's two or more family members that are involved in the business. But these are absolutely rules that any entrepreneur can play by. And every entrepreneur should have a set of rules that people follow, you know, and a set of processes that people follow. And they should be held accountable, just like any other person in any other position in any other company would be held accountable. These are all really important situations. And so, you know, I think having a difficult conversation, which is something I teach my clients how to do that. I have a framework that is probably borrowed from one of the other crucial or critical conversations books out there. These are conversations that you have to have maybe with a family member or a non-family member. And you need to know how to do it effectively to get to the result that you want. And so these are important things. Uh, I am having a guest on my show. We're recording the episode this week. It'll be out probably in early June, who deals in high conflict situations. Specifically, they're dealing with high conflict personalities, people with personality disorders, emotional dysregulation. I'm talking about like narcissistic or histrionic or borderline or bipolar. You know, these are all way more common in the workplace than you might realize. And because you're not, I'm saying you, I'm saying because many of us are not trained in psychology, haven't read the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Psychiatric Disorders, 
we don't recognize it. We just think like, that was crazy that these two people drank alcohol on the job when we have a zero tolerance policy and they've been working for us for 20 plus years and I had to fire them. That was an awful moment for a client of mine recently. But the reality is that was their policy. And the reality is one of these longtime employees was on a a PIP, you know, performance improvement plan. And it was probably because he's got some issues. And those issues might be well-rooted in psychological, psychiatric issues that are that need to be treated outside of a business coaching or business therapy session with a professional and maybe with, you know, medication. Far too many of us have been affected by employees, family members who have either mental illness or substance abuse problems or alcoholism issues. It's more common than we realize. And you might have to deal with one of those situations, whether it's family or not. And they're difficult to deal with no matter what. This is really, really emotional. And I do have a personal question to ask when we're getting ready to close this. But I got one more question I really want to ask of you is that there are a lot of family-owned businesses that are getting ready to transition. And we want to see them survive. It's the basis of this beautiful society we have, the entrepreneurial spirit. If there is somebody, and I hope you're listening, but if that's somebody is listening right now to this podcast at some time in the future, and they haven't brought in a business therapist, but they're about to embark on change, what are some questions they should be asking themselves that might help them consider maybe bringing in somebody like yourself? I think that if you're stuck and you feel like you're maybe not enjoying the kind of what people call work-life balance. And it may be because you haven't dealt with a decision that you need to deal with. That may be a difficult conversation with a parent around the ownership or the transfer. Or, you know, I find younger people oftentimes are a little bit more impatient and want to get this you know, figured out. Older people want to drag their feet on this and they don't want it figured out because it's worked just fine the way it is. So if you find that you're suffering from the business owner blues or the business leader blues, or you're feeling burnt out, or you're feeling like you don't have anyone in your camp that you can really talk to who understands the business and can look at it from an objective standpoint, someone who can size up the value of a business, who can give you some feedback on what you're bringing to the business versus what someone else in the family might be bringing to the business and how to proceed, then, you know, I, I would recommend that they think about it and maybe even pick up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, A Guide to Driving Growth in Your Family Business. Even if it's not a family business, I think you'll still relate to the seven P's playbook for how to scale up a business. And as you work through the action steps in the playbook, you'll start to recognize where you're getting stuck. And if there are certain people that are causing you to not be successful in implementing that P in the playbook. It comes down to people, folks. And if you don't have the right people, then there may be a will, but there won't be a way. You need to get the right people. So the will and the way line up. This has been an amazing interview, but I'm just going to ask you a quick personal question. Oh my, you must get so invested in the lives of the people that you serve and help. And you also talk about balance. How do you disconnect emotionally from the family issues and just take back some time for yourself and relax and just regenerate? 
so it doesn't weigh on you the issues that your clients are feeling. Yeah. Well, I think I've always been pretty good at separating that. I don't know how or why. Product of a mother who was a family therapist. So maybe I've got some natural skills and training. But frankly, I find that having a coach or a therapist in my life is a helpful way of making sure that I'm staying centered and and connected. I have a wonderful lifestyle business, Deb, that allows me to travel and visit family, friends, and do my work remotely. I've been in many cities, several countries, different continents over the last couple of years, just during COVID, when I've still been able to keep my practice going and it's thriving. So um, that certainly helps surrounding yourself with loved ones, family members, and friends. And look, my clients are people who's, they open their homes up to me. And I stay sometimes in my clients' homes. It's very comfortable for me there. And we enjoy a separation. Yeah, we probably still talk shop over the dinner table, but you know, we can enjoy having a cocktail at the end of the day and sitting down. And so I think that you have to be able to separate that stuff. And if you don't, like I have a pretty strong personal growth or development practice. I've meditated on and off for years. I've been practicing yoga for 30 years. I have my outlet in sports like long distance bicycle riding and things like that, that certainly are great head clearing things, activities. And we all need that. I have got curling I've got cooking, (laughs) I've got reading and writing and oh my podcasting because I love the creative pursuit, the artist and myself, and we both have beautiful art behind us. Yours has some stories behind it as well. So Jonathan, I have sincerely appreciated this. I just so love the concept of family-owned businesses because everybody in the family and the extended family is respected and we all come together and celebrate our successes, whether you're of blood or not. And it is just so important to the threat of our society to help these family businesses transition and thrive. And that's what we're made of. So I so appreciate your work that you do. We will have all of your contact information in the show notes. I highly encourage people check out his book, The Disruptive Successor, and get to know Jonathan on a personal note. I'm grateful for knowing him. And Jonathan, you've been an amazing guest on the show. I sincerely appreciate it. Deborah, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.